Sunday I started a new series of sermons that I've entitled Unstoppable, the Irresistible Power of God's Holy Spirit. It's going to take us all the way through the book of Acts, but this morning I don't want to start in Acts, I'm actually going to start in the book of Luke. So you can either open your Bible to Luke chapter 24 or you can read the scriptures behind me on the screen. Luke wrote the book of Acts as a sequel to the gospel of Luke. And notice what Jesus said to his disciples shortly before he ascended into heaven. It's found here in Luke chapter 24 beginning in verse 46. Then Jesus said to them, his disciples, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But I want you to tarry, that is to wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, that is clothed with power from on high. And so what we learn from Dr. Luke is that God was on this unstoppable quest when he sent his son Jesus to this earth and Jesus died for our sins on Calvary's cross and then he was raised the third day from the dead. He was redeeming lost humanity from the grip of sin and the grip of death. This message, the message of the good news, would be spread by the followers of Jesus Christ. So God's unstoppable quest became their unstoppable quest. But Jesus knew that they would not be unstoppable if they just ran out and tried to do this on their own strength. So what he did was something amazing. He sent his Holy Spirit to clothe them, to endow them with power from on high so that they would be able to have the power to go out and win their world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And every person they won to Christ was born again. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they then took the Gospels to the ends of the earth. And it would go on and on and on. And that brings us to Acts chapter 1. That's where we're at today. Acts chapter 1. Where we have Jesus suiting up his team for this unstoppable quest. This unstoppable mission. In fact... That passage back in Luke said, you go to Jerusalem and you wait until you're clothed with power. Well, that's what's happening in Acts chapter 1. God is suiting up his team for this great mission he's sending them on. So here we are in Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading in verse 6. If you're out there. Are you, are you okay? Oh, that's not very convenient. Are you, are you out there? Okay, here we go. Verse 6, Acts chapter 1. Therefore... When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things... While they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you to heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. And then what we have throughout the book of Acts is the story of how during the next 30 years, this unstoppable force captured life after life and nation after nation until it literally changed the world. But here's what I want you to notice. What we read about on the pages of Acts is not, is not just what God used to do. It's not just a story about what God has done in history. This is not just a great history lesson that we're learning this morning. What we're talking about is something that God is still doing and that God still wants to do in the future. God's unstoppable quest is to get the gospel, the good news of the gospel, to every nation, every tongue, every person, and every generation. And so today, we are joining God in His unstoppable quest as we become passionate followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice two things that Jesus said must happen. These are two things that must happen if we are going to join God in His unstoppable mission. As individuals and as a church, these two things. Number one, real simple, we must receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In order to do the task He's called us to do, to be the people we are to be, we must receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, He promised, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes unto you, and, and you will be my witnesses. Now, all of this is leading up to something that's going to happen in the next chapter, Acts chapter 2. Namely, the coming of the Holy Spirit on the followers of Jesus Christ. There was a group of about 120 of them. We are told in Acts chapter 1 that they obeyed Jesus. They went to Jerusalem. They found this place called an upper room. And there they waited it out until God sent the promise of the Holy Spirit. We're told what they did in that upper room. They prayed continuously, fervently. For 10 days they prayed. And then finally on the 10th day, which was the day of Pentecost, it happened just like Jesus said it would happen. The Holy Spirit came upon them with the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Here's what you need to see, people. Jesus made a promise to send His Holy Spirit in power. And that promise is to be claimed through prayer. That's the way it works. That's the way God works in lives. He makes promises in His Word. And the way we claim those promises is always through prayer. Prayer makes it happen. He said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, but you be praying and asking and, and fervently seeking me. That's exactly what they were doing. And you know what? It happened. They prayed. The power came down. So if you take notes, write this down. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We receive the power of the Holy Spirit when by prayer we yield ourselves completely to God. 
Literally, we're giving God the steering wheel of our life. Yeah? We're letting Him have control. We are yielding our lives, our wills, our stubborn wills to God. We receive power when through prayer we submit to God. Now, when the disciples heard Jesus talking about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, they immediately began to think in their own minds what He's talking about is, is when the Messiah comes and sets up His earthly kingdom. Because they knew enough of the Old Testament to remember about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would happen during the last days when God established His kingdom on earth and restored His people Israel to power. That's why it says in verses 6 and 7 of our passage, So when they met together, they asked Him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. And so what Jesus was saying to them is this. That's not the program you need to be worried about. The Father's going to take care of all of that in His own time. Hey, we need to be reminded of that too, you know. That's not what we need to be worried He says, but until that time comes, I've got something for you to do. I've got something that's going to keep you busy. And what was it? Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what he said. You're going to get power in your life. Now wouldn't you like to have some power in your life? Boy, you need it. <laughs> I need it. I need that power in my life. Have you ever heard of the Nobel Prizes? Raise your hand if you've heard of the Nobel There's numerous Nobel Prizes they give out. There's one for peace. There's one for literature, for physics, for economics, and even more. The Nobel Prize is named after a Swedish engineer and inventor named Alfred Nobel. He owned a bridge building company and he needed something to help him excavate chunks, large chunks of rock. And so he began to tinker with, with this substance that is an explosive black powder. And he came up with a safe way to blow things up. Pretty awesome, man. So Alfred Nobel patented his new invention and he originally named it Nobel's Blasting Powder. But he thought it needed a new name. And so the story goes like this. Mr. Nobel called on a friend who was a Greek scholar. And he asked the man what the Greek word was for power. And his friend told him that the Greek word for power was dunamis. And from that was coined a new name for Nobel's blasting powder. Dynamite. The cool thing is in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. When Jesus said, you will receive power, it's the Greek word dunamis. It's dynamite. That's what he promised us. He said, I'm going to give you a little Holy Spirit dynamite in your life. Wow, man. And you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, those first followers of Jesus received this gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They had been praying in the upper room for 10 days and then, bam, it happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there were times, there were times in their life before that, that that the Holy Spirit would come on them. And we see this in the Old Testament for special tasks. But here in Acts chapter 2, it happened that the Holy Spirit indwelt them. 
and filled them. Yet since then, it happens for people like us, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer, when you were saved, the Holy Spirit moved into your life. The Spirit comes with power to help us live for God's glory. The Holy Spirit comes to give us power to live a holy life. Power to love, power to serve and really help other people. He gives us power to be a witness for Christ. But as we read through Acts, we, we all know that, that having received the first gift in the filling of the Holy Spirit, there were times when these early disciples needed to be refilled or refueled for the mission. For instance, after this experience in Jerusalem at Pentecost, the apostles became so bold. They were going out and telling everyone about the good news of the gospel. It, it really ticked off the Jewish leaders. And so they drugged them into court and they told them, we want you to stop talking about Jesus Christ. Well, these guys couldn't do that. They had experienced something that was unstoppable. They couldn't keep their mouths shut. So having been threatened by the authorities, the apostles went back to the other believers and told them what had happened, and a great prayer meeting broke out. We know the result of that prayer meeting. It tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. <laughs> and they were all filled, there it is, the word filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. So what I'm telling you today, friends, is this. There are times in our spiritual life when we need to be refilled and refueled with the Holy Spirit to have the power to do what God has called us to do. I don't know about you, but I need to be refilled every day. Just like my phone last week, I talked about my iPhone. It, it runs out of battery charge. I have to plug the thing in every night to be recharged. I need to be refilled and recharged constantly with God's Holy Spirit. On the way to church this morning, I said, Lord, would you just fill me to the brim, man? I need your power for both services. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this afternoon to go to a special meeting. Lord, I need your power for three days. So keep me full of the Holy Spirit, I pray, dear Lord. And, and that's what you need in your life as well. So the way you and I become part of God's unstoppable mission is to first receive the Holy Spirit's power. But church, you need to understand that power was given for a very specific purpose. That brings me to point number two. Not only do we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, but number two, we release the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the power was not merely for our enjoyment. God didn't give us the Holy Spirit just so we could enjoy Him. And I know some of you like to do that. You try to bottle up what God has given you on the inside and you just want to keep it for yourself. That's not why he gave it to you. He didn't give you the power of the Holy Spirit for your enjoyment. He gave it to us for our employment in the mission he's called us to. Verse 8, you're going to be my witnesses, he said, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Th think of all the things Jesus could have said would happen when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He could have said, you know what? I'm going to give you this power so you can be my theologians. My Bible scholars. So that you can be social activists for me. 
so that you can be my political pawns. No, he didn't say any of that. He said, you're going to receive this power so that you can be my witness. The gift of your salvation and the Holy Spirit coming to live within you is to enable and empower you to be a witness for Christ. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. So what is received needs to be released. We receive it as a gift from God. Then we release it as we share the good news with other people. So again, if you take notes, write this down. The power of the Holy Spirit is released through holy living and courageous witnessing. Okay? I release this power that God has given me through holy living and through courageous witnessing. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Brings up a pretty good question. What really is a witness? Well, a witness is somebody who just tells what they know. So the first service, and on a couple occasions in the past, I've been asked to be character witnesses for friends of mine. Really, is, it's kind of an intimidating experience because I was afraid I would go in the courtroom and then say something wrong about my friend, you know? But the attorney called me down by saying, Will, all you got to do is just go in there and tell them what you know about your friend. That's it. Just, just tell them what you know about your friend. And God, that's what witnessing is. Just tell other people what you know about your friend, Jesus. It's pretty simple. Actually, you, you really don't get to choose whether or not you're going to be a witness for Christ. Did you know that? Fact is, as a Christ follower, you are a witness. The real question is, are you a good one or are you a bad one? I could have left that out, couldn't I? In Acts chapter 1, what we have is the table of contents or the outline for the entire book of Acts. This is how the gospel first went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the world. This is where it began. I mean, if all of this happened in our day and in our time right here in Fort Smith, God would be saying to us, Kavanaugh Church, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be my witnesses in the River Valley, in Arkansas, in the United States of America, and then in the ends of the world. Take the good news to the whole world. Why? Because God is on this unstoppable mission. And those first followers of Jesus were supercharged with divine power. In 30 years, they were able to turn their world upside down with the good news of the gospel. And the equipment that God gave them to do that task is the exact same equipment He gives us today. The power of His Holy Spirit. That's all they needed, and it's all that we need. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think with me for just a few moments about how you and I, both individually and collectively as a church, should respond to the truth that we have heard today from God's Word. I think it's safe to say that for most of us in this room, our lives are not really as focused as what they should be on what Jesus said is the main thing I want you to be doing. I mean, let, let's, be, let's be real with ourselves. 
Are we really focused on what God said I want you to do? What he is saying to us is this. When you get up every morning and go to work or you go to school or you go shopping at Walmart or if you're in your neighborhood, here's the task I'm giving you. No matter what else you're going out to do, I want you to be my witness. I want you to be telling other people about me. That's the main thing. That's why I saved you. That's why I've given you power. That's why I didn't just take you when you got saved straight up to heaven. You've got a job to do. God says, I'm on this unstoppable mission to tell as many people about Jesus and heaven as I can. And you are my ambassador. You are my voice. That's the main thing. Now, I, I'm just, I could go on and on and on about this, but the bottom line is, is that really my focus? Is it your focus? Do we, do we live life that way? I know we can be real spiritual sitting here. Say, amen, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord. But, but do we live it? Do we really live it? You know, I, I, even our church, this is a great church, but you know what, church? We're not as focused as we should be on what Jesus says the main thing is. What if? Guys, let me, what if? What if we just let the Word of God and the Spirit of God shape our lives and our church and made us what He wants us to be? What would we look like then? What if we really took Jesus and His Word seriously? What would happen to us? Two phrases kept coming up to me on how we need to refocus. The first phrase is unstoppable prayer. All of this happened because these guys for 10 days did nothing but pray. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. They got close to God, they prayed. When you pray, things happen. Nothing happens without prayer. Let me say it like that. We need to be praying. What, what would happen if there was this unstoppable prayer that went on inside of us with God? What would happen if we got serious and really prayed God, would you rock my family? Would you rock my world? Would you rock my church? Would you send revival? Hmm? What would happen? Many years ago, there was a famous evangelist by the name of Gypsy Smith. I've talked to you about him before and told you some stories about old Gypsy Smith. Uh, God used him in a mighty way to bring thousands of people to Christ. One day, a group of people went to see Brother Smith, and they asked him, Brother Smith, what do we need to do for revival to happen in our life and in our church? And here's what O. Gypsy Smith said. What you do is this. You go home. You find a room where nobody else is. You close the door. You get you a piece of chalk and you kneel down on the ground and you draw a circle. And then you pray for God to revive everything that is inside that circle. pretty good advice so what if would you play this what if game with me for a second what if we gave ourselves like never before I mean like never before to being wholly consecrated to God in prayer what if we gave ourselves to prayer church let me tell you this every great movement that has happened for God every revival every great awakening has happened like this. There has been a small group of people who have got on their face before God and really got serious with God and prayed for revival to come to their life, to their family, to their church, and the world. 
Every revival since Acts chapter 2 has started that way. So what if we had a group of people inside Kavanaugh Church that was so hungry for God that we gave ourselves to praying like that? What if, what if we watched a little less TV? And what if we spent a little less time on Facebook? We had, we had an interesting conversation about Facebook the other day. When, when Facebook first started, it was the young group, the young uh, kids who were involved in Facebook. And then, then the old people took over. You know that? You, you, would be, you would be amazed about how many prime timers are on Facebook. It is amazing. I think there's a resurgence and in, in some of the younger people are coming back to Facebook. But, I mean, you know, what if you spent, and I know, I know I'm meddling right now, but what if you spent a little less time on Facebook and a little less time in front of the TV and started giving just a half hour a day to reading God's Word and praying? You know, I, I know a half hour to some of you might, might not seem like anything because you've got all day to do nothing, but... For those of us who are busy, a half an hour, it's hard to squeeze. It's, it's hard to find half an hour. For me, it is. But whether it's easy or difficult for you to do it, what, you know, as busy as my day is, I can find a half an hour. We all waste at least a half an hour a day. So, so why don't we spend that 30 minutes in praying to God? Let me, let me tell you this. Just that time, that little bit of time, that simple shift in priorities would bring about an enormous change in your life, your family, and this church. What if? What if we made revival a very specific prayer in the life of Kavanaugh Church? Now, I know we're a praying church. We pray all the time. On Wednesday nights, we, we come together and pray as the family of faith. And you know what? We are really good at praying for physical needs and for healing and for each other. But what if? What if every time we came together, we specifically asked God to release His power through revival in our church? And we made that a specific request. So, one phrase that God has branded on my heart is unstoppable praying. The other phrase that God has branded on my heart is unstoppable planting. Planting. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit was given for a purpose. And that was to propel us as bold witnesses to carry out the command of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I think most of us want to see people saved. I mean, if we took a vote this morning, how many of you want to see people saved? I'm sure everybody would raise their hand. Because at least we say that. And that really is a big gauge when it comes to seeing how well any church is doing. So, we are eager for the harvest. And we know enough to know what we should be looking for. But to be real honest with you, church. I think that, that a whole lot of times we're, we're standing around like a bunch of workers out in a field waiting for wheat to start growing and producing grain. And after months of watering and plowing with still no harvest, somebody finally asked the question, did it ever occur to anybody to plant some seeds? He's the God of the harvest. 
He just needs workers out in the field planting the seed. And you want to know what the problem is? We're not planting enough seed. So, play the game with me again. What if? What if you and I with renewed and revived hearts begin to see ourselves as seed sowers? At school, at work, in our neighborhoods. What if we started every day with a simple prayer, Lord, I'm yours, take me and use me. Lord, I'm giving everything to you and holding nothing back. My, my life is yours, my body is yours, take me and use me. Don't you think if we prayed that prayer in a minute with all our heart, soul, mind and strength that God is going to put people in our path that we need to witness to? Yes, he will. What if? What if every ministry we did as a church, no matter what it was, what if every time we did anything as a church, what if in some way we sowed the seeds of the gospel when we did it? Now, we've got some great ministries at this church. We are constantly doing things within our community. But are we sowing the seeds of the gospel when we do them? In all we do as a church, there must be a very clear witness of the gospel calling for repentance and faith. So what if every Bible study class every week, and what if every group that meets up here at our church through the week, what if we had a time when all we did was talk about and pray about and dream about how we can connect with unsaved people who need to know Jesus? What if? What if we all gave so generously and sacrificially that we never had to say, we don't have enough money to do that? Because church, let me tell you, we have all the money we need to accomplish the unstoppable mission God has given us to do. The problem is it's stuck in your pocket. So, what if? What if we just give God a blank check? Wow, that's interesting. What if we give God a blank check as individuals and a church? What, what, if, what if you just handed God the keys to your house and said, Lord, this is not my house anymore, it's yours. You use it for whatever you want to use it. Gave him the keys to our car. Lord, this car's not mine anymore, it's yours. What if we gave God our calendar? What if we gave God our checkbook? You know, when you write a, a, a blank check to somebody, here's what you're saying to them. I'm really signing over everything I have to you. You spend it like you want to. Have you ever had anybody give you a blank check? Yeah, That's beside the point, right? We give God a blank check? That, that's what it means to yield the control of your life over to the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what it's going to take for our church to be shaped like the heart of God and the mission of God. Hundreds of us. All of us saying, Lord, here is my blank check. Lord, spend me the way you want to spend me. And Heavenly Father, I pray that we would do that right now. At the end of this service, I pray that we would give you everything and hold nothing back for ourselves. Lord, there's someone in this room who needs to be saved today. They need to to come and invite Jesus into their heart. And I pray that they would have the courage to do that. Lord, there are others in this room who need to recommit their life to you. 
give them the courage to come and pray that prayer today. And Lord, for the rest of us, may, may we come to the altar and do what the Bible says. May we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to you. Give you everything. Lord, I pray for those who, who really mean business with you, that they would come today and pray for Kavanaugh Church, that, that we, we would join you in this unstoppable mission, and that we would just do your will, Lord, and give you everything. Lord, make this a time of revival. Revive hearts. Restore families and relationships. Charge up this church. For we ask it in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team is going to sing. We've opened our altars for you to come and pray. So would you? Just step out and come.